0: The EMS Garage is a production of emsradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, just search EMS Garage. You can find us on Twitter, at EMS Garage. Email us, emsgarage at gmail.com. Or call us, 303-720-6001. The
1: EMS
0: Garage.
2: In a model, ran into the with vehicle. out right now. Okay, I got to DC on a phone there. I want to know if uh, you can handle that call as well. Just confirming you are checking the patient. Yeah,
1: Hello
0: everybody and welcome to the EMS Garage. This week we taped episode 99. I was uh, at the IRCP and if you want to go to the IRCP website and find out more information, that's ircp.info. It was a conference that we held here in Vail this week and unfortunately I was not able to record a podcast this week, but Kyle David Bates took over the hosting and well, he had a little problem on his end. So we're sorry about his sound, Um, it's a little echoey. But other than that, it was a great podcast, and the content was informative, and I was really happy to hear it. Also, if you want to know more or see some of the videos from the IRCP, Jamie Davis was there, and he was doing on-spot videos and and just doing interviews. So if you want to know more about the videos, go to ircp.blip.tv. That's ircp.blip.tv. Join us next week when we have the episode 100 extravaganza. I have no idea how long that podcast is going to be. We may break it up into several segments, but if we do, uh, you'll just see it in the stream. And we're excited. Remember, if you want to be a part of that show, we're inviting you, the audience, to take part in that show. Give us a call. 303-720-6001. Tell us your favorite moment from a show tell us what you liked about the show, give us any other input. Um, And then our guests this week are going to be talking about uh, what got them into EMS. So if you want to call and give us your story as well, we'd be pretty happy to hear that. So we'll just put that in the show and give us um, your name very clearly and where you're from. And we'll uh, play it in our show. Also, if you're interested in just uh, emailing us, you can email us, emsgarage at gmail.com and give us some input that way. But we really prefer the voice because then we can add you in. So 303-720-6001 and then leave your comments there. Again, uh, thanks for listening this week, episode 99. And I really don't remember what the name of it is, but uh, it'll be a pretty good one, I'm sure. Thanks a lot, Kyle. And here he is.
3: Hello well, welcome, welcome everybody to EMS Garage, Garage your weekly, weekly podcast, podcast about everything, everything EMS. I hope I hope did that as well as Chris. My name my is Kyle David Bates and I am taking over for Chris today. He is at the, the International Roundtable for Community Paramedicine. Uh, medicine. We were, we're going to talk, talk about, about some different topics, topics about, about oxygen, but so so unfortunately, unfortunately Chris, we, we are, are going to hijack your your podcast your today and talk a little bit about some different things. We're going to, something that's been kind of in my mind for a while, I'm, gotten addicted to podcasting I've got the first few moments podcast going on right now uh, we see all these blogs that are out there, I know the guys over at Chronicles of EMS Master got some big plans going on with there and what they've been doing here for, for uh, a year or so uh, with that, and I just kind of sit every once in a while and, and start to wonder, are we really making a difference, is anyone really out there listening, reading and are we affecting the whole system, you know I, I, I heard a Twitter one day uh, from somebody that was saying that, how, you know, how can we change, we can't change anything because the people in the upper echelons uh, aren't letting it change, and my reply to him was, well, that's where we, at our level, need to bump ourselves up and take into those positions and help start to change. So kind of to help me out talk about this is uh, Scott Queer, SBK, how are you, Scott?
2: How's it going, Kyle? Good to be on this week.
3: Good, yeah, thanks, thanks for being here, here Scott. Scott. So, so what's, what's your thought?
2: thought? Um, oh boy, I think that um, I, I think that we're really moving in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I do see the validity in, in the in the comment that you're talking about. I mean, we, we need to get the word out there to more people, but it's it's a matter of finding the, you know, the mechanism and the way to do that. You know, the the vehicle to do it with. Um, but I I ultimately think you know with with the blogs that are out there the podcasts that are out there i i, I think it's a start I, I think you know we're we're off to a really strong start
3: absolutely uh mr I'm tim sure noonan will be joining us call call as well tim how are, how are you how are you good how are things uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> we weren't going to talk about that <laughs> um, <laughs> well,
3: i think i me can't, can't can't thinking about this about stuff, stuff.
1: Uh, I I think that uh, with the coverage that Mark has uh, brought about in the Journal of Paramedic Practice and uh, the editors over there have uh, decided to cover blogs, I think that there is growing recognition of the ability of blogs to contribute to discussions on uh, clinical topics and other topics. So I think this is something that will only increase, I you know, I'm not a Twitterer uh, A little too sh- short for me But uh, sounds kind of dirty Also, nobody to say, needs to know what I'm doing <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, yeah cool. well I don't answer Internet uh, ads But uh, nobody needs to know What I'm doing all the time uh, yeah, If I stop At a bookstore If I Get stuck in traffic Does anybody care? I uh, try to avoid paying attention to it myself.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. And And finally, uh, from Chronicles of EMS themselves, Mr. Justin Shore, Happy medic, how are you? you?
4: Good. Sorry for the delay. I was just updating Twitter. Uh, Tim, (laughs) you were saying?
3: (laughs) Oh, there it is. I forget. I'm stuck in traffic.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Nice. No, good evening, sir. How are you?
3: Very Very good. good. How's
4: How's the West West Coast Coast today? today? Uh, little, little warm up here in the uh, inland East Bay of Northern California, but uh, a lot, uh, a lot cooler than usual for this time of year.
3: <laughs> and you <laughs> really, really did, did you really did update your Twitter. Twitter. That's, That's funny. funny. I had to check, had to check so, so I'm doing my Twitter. I
4: had well. to. I had to. <laughs> I would not be a social media junkie if I didn't.
3: Uh, so, uh, so anyway, anyway so, so I, I guess, guess the, the comment, com- you, know, com- you know, the comment, the comment is, is, is are we making, making a, a difference? And and how do we know?
4: Uh, I would have to say that, yes, we're making a difference, and this show is evidence of it. Uh, not just that, but uh, the Happy Medic blog turns two at the end of the month. Um, I never thought it would last a month. And here it is going on on two years that I've been rambling on this uh, therapy project that I started way back when. And I remember when I first started writing, there were only a couple scattered EMS and fire blogs that would update occasionally a lot of good content out there and now there's dozens upon dozens of writers sharing their stories their ideas their studies their concepts their dreams of EMS for the future and I think it it's a a huge success so far it has had problems I I won't pretend there haven't been people that use it inappropriately but I think appropriate versus inappropriate is uh, probably 95 to 5. Scott,
3: Scott what, what's your thoughts?
2: I, I would agree. I mean, I, I see a lot of positive stuff out there. I mean, I've actually kind of taken the next step. I really think that we need to you know, get ourselves out there even more, and, and a lot of what that is 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 taking the time to speak to the people who aren't directly involved and you know, with, with the social media aspect and try to find a way to get them into it. I mean, prime example, I found a couple great posts on, on uh, Mr. Steve Whitehead's blog last weekend while I was sitting at work, and I went ahead and I printed them out. found a couple of people and said, hey, take a look at this. Hold on to it. You know, hand it off to somebody else just to try and get some topics out there and, and show some people what's going on. You know, and I, I do it all the time with Justin's blog, I, I do it all the time with Chronicles and you know, and, and Tim's blog as well. I mean I I try to read up as much as I can and when I find valid stuff, I, I think that, you know, I definitely take something from everything that I read, but I, I think that the next step to that is is, is taking the ne- you know, going that extra mile and handing it off to somebody else and trying to get them to get something out of it as well.
3: But, but how do we how know, we know that, that what we're putting we're up, there, up there, what's going, going on? Who, I should I say, say, who, who are, are we to, to give our opinions? Who are, are we, we to write, write our stuff write up, up on, online like that? Why should anyone listen, listen, listen to, to us? us?
4: Well, it doesn't matter that anyone listens. It matters that we say something. That's, that's the reason this hasn't worked over the last 30 years is because people would say, I have an idea, but who am I to put my idea out there? I don't have any brass on my collar. You know, I, I'm not a manager. I'm not an owner of any of these companies. Who am I? to know how it's going to work. Well, we are the ones that know how it's going to work. We're the ones that make the system work. We're the ones that know how to make it work better. I think for a long time we would send our ideas to one of the major publishers and it would get kicked back or it would be no no no, we no, that'll never work. Well, now that filter is gone. Yes, a lot of the more respected writers still use that mass print forum, I'm talking about the EMS Responder Magazine, the GEMS Magazine, Firehouse, Fire Engineering, all great publications that have great information that all of us were talking about three months ago, before it went through their filters. It really gives us a chance to, and Mark and I talked about this on our sites all the time to really share information in real time and get real time feedback on your ideas so you're not spending months waiting for a concept to turn around you can hear somebody across the country that said oh yeah we're doing that and it's working great here's a link you know, to our research here's a link to how our system works and there's so much more information just readily available you still have to go through it and make sure that you can not only cite sources but always at least two sources if you can on a system but we really have that opportunity with this network that's growing unofficially. That opportunity to share this information in a way that hasn't been done until now, the last couple of years, and it's really moving the young profession forward quickly. There have been growing pains, but I think because I'm someone who's struggling within my system and sees ways to make it better, I would be angry at myself if I didn't try to change the system and make it better I don't think it's so much that who are we to say, I think it's who are we not to get involved and do something
2: You know, it's our responsibility for those of us who, who have made this our career and I'm, I'm definitely one of those people I mean, I, I chose at a very early age that, that EMS was going to be my thing and I definitely have a vested interest in, in what's going on and what's going on around me and I, I really think that I needed to find a way to, to share that with other people. And and thankfully, the Twitter, the blog sphere, all of that has, has given me a way to do that. And let's face it, you know, 10 years ago, Justin's exactly right. All that we had was Gems, EMS Responder, and, and these, you know, major publications. And now we all have a way to have a voice. And, you know, it, it sparks discussions and, and it really gives us a way to kind of further our field and, and find like-minded people and set goals and, and press those goals and issues. And I, I think that that's a great thing. It was, it
3: was funny, that, funny you that you just said like-minded people because I'm kind of, of, kind of, sitting, of sitting here, here um, listening um, to what, what we're saying, saying and, and kind, of kind of came up with the, with the phrase, phrase I didn't come with it, up with that but, phrase mind, but the phrase came to mind but are, are we, are we preaching, preaching to the wow, we're going to have to edit that one out like that's going to happen. Aren't we preaching to the choir? Are you know What we're saying, what we're doing you know, you know, we're like-minded like people, people, yes. yes. I, mean, I mean, we're preaching, preaching to, the to the choir, that's, that's out it's a lot of us young folks. How do we, we reach those people, people that, that, we, that we, we want to change and change have the ability to change?
4: Well, I think Scott really mentioned it perfectly earlier. Oh. oh, Tim brings up a great point. Dude, you're absolutely right, Tim.
3: Say it again, so Tim. I think we are covered.
1: Is there anything wrong with preaching to the choir? By spreading the word preaching to the choir, are we uh, get the message out to more people, even if they're already people who think along those lines? We're providing them with evidence to support claims. Whether it's you know here's a good book about uh, management, or here's a good study on pain management, or you know this is a system that is doing things that really works. They have happy employees. They have um, much better retention than other agencies and, um, you know, their survival rates haven't been hurt by it and their income hasn't been hurt by it. These are things that um, by spreading it to people who already think similarly, uh, we get more coverage of it and and then it spreads to people who are not part of the choir, you know, to people standing outside the church of the blogosphere.
4: Yeah, Kyle, Tim makes a, a perfect point there that, you know, we can we can only make the choir more passionate um, by, by telling them what they want to hear. But for me, it was reading sites like Rogue Medic, like Paramedicine 101, like Ambulance Driver that made me realize I'm not the only one out here trying to make things better. You know, there really is a group of people that, that's out there sharing ideas and sharing e- each other's comments and, and concepts. And it made me feel like I wasn't alone and hopefully every day somebody who's out there just pulling their hair out reads somebody's post and says, well I'm going to keep going maybe they're not in the chat room maybe they're not a follower on Twitter, but they said I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep trying and and we, I think we do more harm stopping than
2: continuing Justin, you nailed it I got me. an email That's, from oh, sorry Tim
1: go ahead
2: Oh no! I was just going to say, Justin, you—you you absolutely nailed it for me. That's—that's um, that's exactly where I was, you know, eight, ten months ago. Was just kind of almost down in a little bit of a funk, and then I found this whole community that that really opened my eyes and and really brought back a lot of a, a lot of my drive. And and just it, it's very true, knowing that you're not the only one out there. It. it it really motivates you and you know it it has done nothing but but helped me personally and i feel help the cause by just adding more people to it
0: silence.
1: Yeah, I, I just got an email a little while ago and i get a bunch like this from people saying they're trying to change the way they do things at work And they run into people who say, Oh, but we don't do that here, or this is the way we've always done it. And, you know, they're able to present them with uh, some evidence of what's going on. But I'm not telling people to just disregard protocols on your own. Um, Also, not telling them just to obey the protocol because it's written down, but, you know, make a decision about what is appropriate for them to do in their circumstances and most important discuss things with their medical director uh, the email was about somebody who is uh, debating this with uh, quality control and um, you know just co-workers and whoever happens to have a mouth and an opinion and uh, n- not mentioning the medical director and uh, my first uh, person to talk to is usually the medical director because that's the person who can make the changes that will improve patient care And, and, and I think
3: Tim, Tim I think it's a, a great segue, segue to I think to what we should talk to next and we can and lead, what what we can lead in into is, is becoming, becoming a change you know, you know, agent you, know, you know, I've heard that I've worked that. in a lot of different that. systems across, across the Northeast, the northeast and I've heard that that's not how we do it here and maybe, and maybe their, way their way is a good way, a way, way of doing it, maybe it's a different way of doing it, maybe there's a better way of doing it. And and not only in terms, in terms of policies and procedures, and procedures but, but, but and protocols and patient care. care. And, and I, think I think the one thing we're trying, we're trying to do through the social media and the media blogs, and blogs is to kind of bring these ideas from around the country, around the world, and, and, start and start incorporating them, them and, and, and putting them into out there, so other people can see what we're doing. But how can, can me as, as Joe EMT or or, or, or or Sally Paramedic go ahead and start to become a change agent at my agency?
1: Well, Sally, um, talk to the people who make the important decisions the medical director, the uh, person who's director of quality control, or or whatever the similar title would be. Um, Maybe the owner or um, the the city manager, the government people who have oversight of your agency are open-minded about these things, maybe they're not, but you don't know until you actually talk to them. Sometimes you get the brush off Because they're doing a million things Sometimes you get the brush off Because they really don't care Another thing is to pay attention to uh, The people who are doing the research Uh, Dr. Bledsoe is at all these conferences And uh, Dr. Wesley is uh, Dr. Ross A lot of uh, the big doctors are out there And talking about these things Talk with them, find out what they're doing about it, what they recommend, because they are medical directors. And the other thing is talk to other doctors besides your medical director. A lot of times the medical director will not listen to me because I'm just a paramedic. But if I find uh, uh, another doctor who's more open to talking with paramedics and happens to be a friend with the medical director, if I bring the topic up with that doctor and provide them with copies of studies supporting my position, then that doctor talks to the medical director. The medical director becomes a lot more receptive because they heard it from another doctor, not from a lowly paramedic.
3: Do you think that... just? just- in, I, mean, I mean, it's, it's fine, fine. to it may find another doctor, an but doctor, doctor, but I mean, if you're in a small, a small service, service, it's a little easier. Um, where, where I am here in the town, I know my I know medical my director, director. I have his I have phone number. I, I talk, talk, with him, talk with him. We, we, we go to dinner. dinner you know, so, it's so it's, it's easy, easy to discuss, discuss these things, things with him. him. But in a larger service, such as one of the large commercial services or in a large municipal service, how do you go about being a change agent in one of those?
4: You infiltrate the command staff it sounds silly but that's exactly what you have to do if your supervisors won't listen then you need to do everything you can to become a supervisor but that's just cuz that's the position I find myself in now um... Tim was absolutely right you know you need to go out and get in contact with people in your community who can make those changes if you don't like the gloves that your service uses don't cry to the owner find out who buys the gloves and find out why you're using the ones you do and find out if there is a better glove on the market don't just walk in and say i want something better but if you walk in with uh... prices with benefits with features from different things you make it easier for, for that person to say oh you've done all the work for me okay maybe we'll look into it uh, don't walk into your medical director's office with a printed out article from the happy medic and say I want to do what he's talking about. That's not going to work. What I hope you do is if you read something that I've written and you're inspired by it, go out and find the research that pertains to what you're trying to do. A lot of information is out there. Tim names some of the big ones, Dr. Wesley, Dr. Bledsoe, doing amazing research. And the same way we're going to do the work for the procurement officer, they're kind of doing the footwork for the paramedics on the street to go to our medical directors, and our chiefs and our managers and say, well, look at this article from, from Dr. Wesley who ripped that intubation paper apart. Maybe you should rethink pulling all the tubes off the rigs for no reason and, and really show that it's not just you as, as Sally EMT, as, as Kyle said. It's not just Sally EMT, but it's Sally EMT and well-respected members of the EMS community and the EMS physicians community that are saying some of the th- same things you are. Take that to their attention. You know, maybe you do print out one of the studies that, that one of these folks did and you take it with you and say, Listen, I've been reading this. Have you read this? No, you haven't? Well I won't take up too much of your time. Here you go. Maybe you can read that. My phone number's at the bottom if, if you ever want to talk about it. Maybe that can work. Uh, in my service, I've been trying to get a hold of my medical director on the phone for weeks now and it's just not happening. So trying surprising. to get in there Yeah, trying to get in there with information is is really the way to to become a change agent? Is you need to do your homework, you need to know what you want and how to do it. Um, if if you're good with the numbers and your system is is free enough with some of your statistics, your costs, uh, salaries, things like that, maybe you can sit down and crunch the numbers and actually walk into the office with a proposal that says, here's what I want to do, and and here's how it can save us money or cost us money or whatnot. Um, but if you're someone listening to this podcast and says, yeah, I want to do that, the first thing you need to do is get educated. Uh, Scott, Tim, Kyle, I, I think we can all agree on that. You need to know what you're talking about before you go into
1: that office. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. And you, you're going to need to know was, your sources. Go ahead,
1: Tim. Yeah, when I was out in San Francisco, I didn't work for the Department of Public Health, but everybody could go to the call audits, tape audits, and... It was not unusual for the medical director For the city and county to be there I could go up and talk to the medical director And they went through several medical directors w- While I was out there And ask them questions And they were very open to uh, talking About what was going on Why they were doing things Whether they were improving uh, something Or uh, you know what they were doing Uh, So they were available if you went to the places where they were. Also, if you know what their schedule is, when they're on duty, what hospital they'll be at. Same thing when I moved to New York. They did regular uh, call reviews there. And the medical director would frequently be at those. Sometimes they would do extra continuing education stuff. In Pennsylvania, it's much more a hit or miss. There is no state requirement for any kind of uh, call review or any of that. We just have to get a certain amount of CONED per year. So I can, you know, go for a long period of time at certain agencies and never see the medical director. But find out how to reach the medical director and talk to them find them when they're not busy if they're brushing you off are you busy, is there a better time when I could talk with you about this and as uh, Justin said you give them a copy of an article and put your number on the bottom if it's a good article, if it covers the topic thoroughly and raises questions in the medical director's mind they may want to call you up and talk with you about it
2: Yeah, I, I think Justin and Tim are, are both just spot on here. And, and I mean, you, you do have to do your homework. You you have to figure out what avenues you can go down. I mean, you know, and, and this doesn't just apply to, uh, you know, the changes with, with protocols and whatnot. I, I think a lot of it applies to, to changes in policies and procedures, too. I mean, I, I can say that I have successfully infiltrated management, and um, it it's still a constant struggle you know, from from the middle management level to um, to, to try and, and find those those procedures that work elsewhere and, and facilitate that change. I mean, I, I really am jealous of the 9-to-5 worker sometime because on Friday you can set a new policy and say, hey, Monday morning, here's what's going to happen. But when you're dealing with a 24-7 business, it's not always <laughs> as, as easy to do that. So I, I think that, you know, the the big thing to remember is is when you do find that avenue for change change is going to be slow in this field but it can happen it sometimes it just takes time and and you need to just not get discouraged and, and stick to your guns Definitely, Scott. Sticking to what you believe in is the key. No matter how many
4: times you get knocked down and told, no, kid, we tried that before, we tried that, it didn't work, it didn't work, it didn't work, you still have to keep saying, but look, you're not paying attention, you're not reading, these are the studies, these are the numbers, this could work if we did this, this, and this. Or if you're not even to that point, uh, uh, I've written up some very specific policy and procedure changes and submitted to my department. That may be why the medical director is ducking my calls, but if you're just down at the bottom, you really need to learn how your system works. Not only be educated on where you want to be, but you need to be an expert on where you are. You need to know what works, what doesn't. Hospitals, transports, who your main patients are, you need to know all these things cold. You need to know where you are before you know where you're going.
3: Do you think, Do you that, think that Justin and is, is where we feel, feel it fail it as administration, administration and leadership, leadership is we don't, we don't teach, people teach people our systems. System. We we tend we to tend hold, to it, hold back it back and say it's, it's mine, mine. It's my information. information. I know one, you know, thing, we one thing we in did Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania, at the company I was at, is, is I taught. I, taught them, I try to I teach try to all my employees as much about the company and the business of EMS and medicine as possible, so they can make those decisions. Do you think we should go out and talk more about that as leaders?
4: I think so, and I think the the number one worst question in EMS that a manager wants to hear is why? Why are we doing that? And and management, nine times out of ten, just has to say, Well, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. That's how it was when I got here. And that's not always a bad thing. You know, why do we always have to have our shirts tucked in? Well, because you want to look professional or a professional company, you know, things like that. But definitely it, it especially for the younger EMTs, management needs to make an effort to teach them what it's about and why it's about those things. Um few few EMTs that I've met were lucky enough to really be inspired by educators and owners at Chiefs in my case who were really passionate about EMS and really cared about the patients, the employees and the system. Um I think you can learn more from a compassionate manager than you can from an angry manager you know a, a kill them with kindness is, is a great thing in my mind but definitely management and even the senior people especially the people that have been in 5, 8, 10 years you need to be helping to teach the, the new folks you were new once if you know something and you can pass along a positive experience we do it with patient care all the time you know hey kid don't do that that doesn't work well we need to hear that from management as well
3: do you think that, you this, think that this information, information really, should, really be should be done at the entry level? It should, should be done in the, the entry-level EMS, EMS education? education.
2: I do, I, and I, I, you know, I think that's a lot of, of what we're we're driving towards with with you know, the Chronicles movement and the EMS 2.0 movement is um, growing it into something more than just patient care. I mean, there's a lot of changes and a lot of focus on patient care with it, but it's also, as you grow it into a degree, I think that there's has to be a component in there that, that teaches, you know, the the mechanism of change that we're talking about tonight and, and really teaches the, the nuances and, and the focus on EMS as an industry and not just as a you go take care of people and bring them to the hospital kind of aspect that we see a lot of the focus on now.
3: i agree with you, but then you're going to start adding time to the EMT courses. And already, yeah, already they, they've taken the, the, taken course, the course and, shaped, and shaped, you know bits and you know, parts of it parts They still I mean, don't even still talk about talk documentation about that, that well in the 150 hour course. course. Now we want now them we to want talk them about well, you know Medicaid and, Medicaid and Medicare and I mean COBRA should be a, a, should a standard, standard part of the, uh, 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 the uh, or, or actually MTELF you know should be the standard education in the program.
2: But what's wrong with that? What's wrong with asking people? to know more. What's, what's wrong with requiring them to know more and, and putting that information out there? I really don't see a problem with that. I, I see that as being a good thing. And if it means that somebody has to spend another week in class, then so be it. You know what I mean? I mean, if, if we're going to make this better, we have to find a way to do it. And I, I really think that you know, we are shaving off too much and we are shortchanging ourselves already and maybe it's time to stop doing that. Maybe, maybe it's time to start you know, restructuring how we do this and how we're educating people.
3: But I work in a I work, a, in, a, I work, in, a I work in a rural area, area that there, there will never ever be, be a commercial, commercial ambulance service out here. Out here. There's, There's no, no source, source of, of, funding of funding at that, that. Um, so, so we we, we take, take care of our residents of our through, a through a volunteer ambulance, ambulance company. company. You I you know might, I work a full time job, job. I have a family. family. How am I supposed to add more time and more money to this this volunteer quote unquote hobby?
4: Kyle, where is your nearest community college?
3: Uh. Depends where, where I am, I am in, in my area. In my area. I'm right now, my community college and community uh, college. How far p- away? For some people, for it, it could be about an, an hour drive.
4: Okay, that is a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. where I. Yeah, that's, that's where I got my introduction. Where's your nearest
1: nearest computer?
4: That's a good point. There you go, Tim.
1: Where's your nearest computer? You can do a lot of education online. It can be done. Uh, when the person is hired, it can be done as part of school, it can be done as homework. There are many ways to handle online education, and some things are pretty well suited for online education rather than hands-on stuff. Tal is not something where you really need to see anything other than what can fit on a computer to understand it. And depending on who puts the presentation together where it can be something nice and brief where it can be something that uh, takes a couple hours
3: That's definitely something to bring up I know in some areas that we that we have served, because we've looked at going to online education, they're now just getting uh, broadband they were dial-up for the longest period of time, so we had to be very cautious on that and I know there's some places up in Maine where I worked, uh, where the closest community college was at least an hour if not more away so those are things we have to look at you know, you got these areas that they're not going to have commercial services And but then again is that right or is that wrong and I know we've had this discussion on, on here before uh, with that and I think people are going to have to start looking at uh, and I'm talking about people in terms of taxpayers and residents are going to have to start and say you know I'm going to pay for my, my EMS service I'm going to pay for someone to take care of me and that's something we, we have to look at coming in
4: well, I think I think it doesn't even get to that Kyle the the I mean that's a, a whole different can of worms, of course, we can open up, but uh, to to get back to what you were saying about educating the younger members as they're coming in. Do we need to be teaching a brand new EMT that just learned the difference between a hemothorax and a pneumothorax the history and the theory behind modern EMS systems? Do they need to have a grasp of system status management when they leave? No. I think a lot of that education needs to happen on post, instead of uh, their preceptor sitting Nobody there with boots needs to up and have taking a, grasp. a nap. Well,
1: Nobody needs to have a grasp of system status management
4: <laughs> Who really does? <laughs> that's that's a good point. But in, until we can convince the uh, fleet manager that we we can do something better, my my whole point being that that spending time in the classroom teaching these things I think is the wrong place. We need to make them competent emergency medical technicians. Get them on the street, and in their downtime, they can become passionate about it. You know. Uh, you you can sit someone down in a classroom and and berate them with information for hours upon end but if they don't want to learn it and they don't know why they're learning it they won't care and they won't retain it uh, but every time that EMT asks his, his seasoned partner hey why do we do this maybe the partner can give him an actual answer I
3: think that's a good point is that you know uh, we have to really take that step. go ahead Tim
1: They can uh, have a variety of ways of educating people. I've seen uh, more services using the laptop, uh, the Toughbook computers for documentation. So that could be something where you could have programmed into the computer some courses. Uh, This is what uh, you're required to complete today. Now, a lot of people will just cheat off of their partners or whatever, but uh, you can educate people that way. We just need to find the right way to do it. There, the more we have progress in the technology, the more alternatives we have to educate people. And I think SSM, uh, system status management, should be in the same place as the history of torture devices. You know, it's part of your education but it's something that should only be viewed as historical.
4: Tam, I'm going to need you to move two blocks
1: north, <laughs> <laughs> and then in ten minutes, move back.
4: Yes, because I, the I, the screen told me to move you that way. Well, who programmed the, the screen? The screen. I don't know.
1: All. <laughs> all the claw. All the Sorry. screen. No. <laughs> liar that's funny
2: well i i kind of feel you know i I understand the importance of of online education and i am a, a big advocate for it but at the same time i i you know when when you're really trying to engage somebody and and really get them attached to a topic i i i sometimes feel that there could be a little bit lost i mean that that's the reason why i i say hey let's let's attach it to the class let's let's put it in there i mean Heck, you can make it an optional part of it if you want to, but I, I, I just kind of feel that that the face time when you're trying to get somebody engaged and, and motivated into topics like this is is kind of important because I think you're going to have a better chance of grabbing somebody who otherwise might have been resistant or reluctant to get into it than than you would than just you know putting a computer down in front of them saying here you go go read.
3: That's yeah, the last okay, thing. Well, a- anytime I gotta read read a yeah. computer, I don't last. Go ahead, Tim.
1: One of the problems with making it an optional part of the class is that that the places that will will cover the optional material are probably already covering it to some extent. And the places that will say, oh, it's just optional, we don't need to cover it, are the places that really need it covered. Uh, So it is not likely to make a big difference. Then if you're looking at EMT class, A lot of places look at it as 110 hours maximum rather than its class that needs to cover at least 110 hours. If you're dealing with that kind of environment, you know, get the students through there as quickly as possible and shove them out the door once they're done and having no responsibility for their quality of education, then more time is not going to appeal to them. It's not going to be something that they handle well. You know, our education system is broken, and we need to completely redo it, not just add stuff to it.
4: Tim, you're absolutely right. You know, when, they, when you're talking about adding these topics to the EMT basic course or the EMT1 course, uh, that's not going to be on national registry. That's not going to be on the state test. Uh, you know the 1966 white paper isn't going to be there, and understanding how EMS spread due to a TV show and and things like that aren't going to be there. Not to mention other topics in the history of medicine, but those are things that can really get people passionate. And you know, like I was saying, uh, Kyle, the reason I asked about your local community college was uh, my school where I first got involved in EMS out in New Mexico uh, offered an EMS 101 class, and it covered you know, from the beginning of, of uh, triangle bandages on the battlefield to flying ambulances and all the way up to, to modern day, uh, the introduction of the EMT intermediate and EMT IV and, and things like that. That was the start of me realizing that this could be a profession, was, was sitting in that classroom. And like I mentioned, having a an inspired instructor who just, just made you want to be the best you could I think that entire classroom eventually went through paramedic school in the next four to five years. If we could get more more resources and more inspired people to get that information out there, I think we could inspire a lot more people. And then they inspire two people, and then they inspire two people, and so on and so on. Um, but it, it takes time. It takes money, you know, to... Uh, to, to set up a syllabus, and even if you're not going to do it at the college, but, you know, start a, a, a website about the history of EMS uh, and try to gather all these facts together um, is is difficult and time-consuming, and like you mentioned, those of us with jobs and families, it's, it's hard to find, uh, you know, some side time to get facts together aside from just uh, like what I do at Happy Medic, which is pretty much um, rant, rave, and a couple of fart jokes.
3: Yeah, and I think that's a great way to bring us back around, Justin, is because, you know, I grew up in the fire halls. So that's where the EMT classes are held in, in my area is in, in the local fire hall. But, you know, it's it's a, a county instructor comes in, and actually they're a state instructor, but they usually work in the county, and, and they, they teach the course, and they're usually a part-time EMT themselves. But that, that's, that's a big thing, I think, is... The people who teach these courses, they have to understand that you need to use other methods to deliver this education than just what they're going to say in school. And as students, they really have to accept the fact that learning goes beyond just what's done in the classroom. It goes on on the streets to talking to pre- preceptors, people who've been in the field, and to go to things such as, as blogs and, and podcasts and, and listen to those. And how do they? How would a new EMT or someone new to this media Really, start to sort out what's right, what's wrong, and you know, what should I listen to, what shouldn't
1: I listen to? Are we? We've got to work on critical judgment for that because it's the same as anything else. You've got a new parent who wants to learn about vaccines. They go on the internet. They get Jenny McCarthy telling uh-huh. them one thing. They get doctors telling them something entirely different. How do they decide between it? Oh, well, some people say, oh. Jenny McCarthy, she's famous I'll listen to her, she clearly knows what she's talking about when it comes to science others say, maybe that's not the best way to go about it you can find similar stuff on EMS. you can find sites that you know, say that the golden hour is sacrosanct and that we need to fly everybody or else uh, uh, we're going to be killing patients. You can find people advocating Trendelenburg Physician and you know, there's no evidence to support these other than you know, if you're more than an hour transport time from the trauma center, if the helicopter is going to make a significant difference then it's worthwhile to fly the patient. Trendelenburg Physician bad idea. But there's still people, plenty of people in positions of authority advocating it. So we can't really expect the beginner to sort all this out without teaching them how to assess the information themselves. We need to teach them what matters by teaching them to ask the right questions about what they're presented with and too many organizations to discourage questions
3: now when i go to that blog and i read it i don't have a lot of experience i don't have a lot of knowledge if i'm a new provider how do i know if that's right i mean are there refer- i mean if i go to a, a journal article there there is references on it and if I'm, I'm smart i'll go and i'll look at those references and then interpret that but when i go to a blog if there are references is a bibliography how do we know if what's being said is, is right especially clinical
4: There should be
1: Usually there are links to the source of the information provided Sometimes it's just a rant I think all of us at some point have uh, done stuff that is just a rant But uh, I try to put links to the journal articles that address the topic I'm talking about Or if there is an article written by somebody else So I'll put a link to that And I think that a lot of people do that. One of the things about uh, the online world is that uh, linking to other people doesn't decrease your effectiveness. It actually uh, gets more people to pay attention to what you're saying. So linking is actually encouraged. But still, you have to figure out where the original source is and whether it is reputable information.
4: Tim's right. There's, There's safety in numbers. You know, if if you've got if you've got an opinion or a fact that you want to state, and you can find other people that have that same opinion, then you definitely need to be citing that source. Or especially if you quote someone or say there is a study that says X, Y, Z, you better have a link to that actual study. Uh, or as we're learning uh, from a new lawsuit out in uh, Las Vegas, I believe it is, um, you you may be hesitant to even link to it, let alone quote it. But you know, Tim. Tim touches on some some real big stuff in, in pre-hospital and, and medicine today. You know, he's talking about the, the inoculations. He's talking about Trendelenburg. There's a lot of things that we're actually starting to look at and saying, well, does this make a difference? And every single person has anecdotal evidence, you know. Uh, me personally, I lift people's legs up when they're unconscious and they wake up. Is it because somebody's picking their legs up? Is it because blood's rushing back? We don't know. Have we studied it? Not really, but we're starting to. We've been told put oxygen on people. It's not going to hurt. Well, now we're being told. Well, wait a minute. It might, uh, you know, fly everybody. Let the uh, NTSB sort them out, uh, as quoted at the Rogue Medic. Uh, Well, no, we shouldn't be flying everybody. We need to make those critical decisions and make those critical decisions based on situational awareness, education, and experience. And unfortunately, it needs to be in that order. Uh, that education and experience is going to guide you in making the right decision in your pre hospital career. And unfortunately, with the internet, I could probably go right now and find 250 published articles that go against what Tim said on every single topic you brought up. But you really need to look at who published it, why and who they were funded by to figure out what's really going on. And that's why you can't just jump out with one source for one thing. And it's too easy to say, well, I saw it on Twitter, or I saw it on Facebook, or a buddy sent me a link. We really need to be teaching the new people at EMS to put the time in to learning your stuff. You'll see very few uh, citations and and links on my site, on the Happy Medic, because mainly... Um, the things I advocate for just are just dreams and ideas right now um I've submitted articles to major publications and they haven't been published uh maybe I'm not as good a writer maybe they just don't want to hear about what I'm talking about I don't know um but really I can only talk about other people that are talking about the same things I am at this point so for me uh like Tim said a lot of a lot of what I do is ranting because uh you know I didn't start off to be an EMS blogger I just needed to vent some steam and and uh get some ideas out there.
1: And there's nothing wrong with ranting. Um, My last post was mostly about uh, ranting. Um, It was a conversation that I had with a nurse, a nurse who was one of the ones that... I'm used to trusting to know what goes on with everything, and uh, she started defending using mechanism of injury. There is, Ugh, I hate that term. There really we- shouldn't be. Yes, oh, should We come up with a different uh, mechanism of idiocy. How about that? Ooh, uh, I am. Uh, it, I'm going to tweet that right now. It encourages incompetence by by discouraging us from thinking about assessment. It discourages a good assessment. We should be assessing the patient rather than um, looking at the damage to the car looking at uh, trying to measure how far did the patient fall. Oh, let's see. If I remember the formula for a right triangle, if I measure this distance and calculate this, like um, that stuff is much less important than assessing the patient and finding out what's going on with that actual patient. Mechanism suggests where we need to assess. It doesn't tell us what the assessment is. And do I need to cite a lot of stuff? Well, my last post I didn't. Um, it's something where there is a lot of research on it, and none of the research really supports aggressive uh, mechanisms as the only way of triaging people to trauma centers to helicopters. You know, people who are seriously injured generally have uh, pretty clear signs that they're seriously injured. If they're not assessed as being seriously injured, maybe it's more of a problem with the person doing the assessment.
4: I'm nodding emphatically.
2: As am I.
3: And here too. I think I think, I think the think one thing, one thing, thing is, is you know as, you as know, we start, start to wind, to wind down the, the garage, garage here, sure. um, well, I think, I one, think one, one hopeful thing, thing that people take, take away, away, from, away from, from them you know we'll from this. Is that no that, matter, matter who you are, are, no matter, matter your level of experience, you, you can make, make change. You have to be, sometimes have be patient with it, but you have to be able to make, make change. change. And, and I think, I think one of the, the greatest courses, courses I ever, that i that ever taken had in school, school, was school was one school called issues analysis, analysis and proposal writing. writing. And, and essentially, essentially we had we to had come, come up with an idea of change and present it. And when you do that, when you go to do change, you just can't go in there and say, here's my idea. That's, so that's great, great, but it's, but it's not going to get through. You need, you need to be able, able to look and analyze, analyze it. And Why, And I think Justin, just, I think you mentioned it earlier, is, you know, is, you know, is is this, this going to make money? Is it going to cost money? How much is it going to cost? It how's gonna it going to benefit the system? system. How's it going to benefit you? you? How's, how's it going to benefit the people you serve? And you've got to be open. You've got to look at it from all standpoints. You've got to look at this thing, this proposal, and say, well, what's good and what's bad about it? And find people that don't agree with you. Find people that disagree with you. Before you, before you present it, it. Because, because as I you start to do that, theory, you're, you're, you're going, going to make your argument stronger, stronger. You and take what they, they, th- they th- tell th- you and and find and, and I mean, research, you know, why do, why do they, they think this is wrong? Why, why do they, they, think think is wrong? Is why they think it's not going to work? work on that? And, and I and think that's, that's one it's
1: way to start. It's not necessarily going to make your argument stronger in the same argument that it was before, but you'll learn from people who disagree with you about the, the weak points in your argument, and you'll revise your argument so that the argument becomes better. Uh, but that is very important. Um, the people I've invited to be on uh, Paramedicine 101 as writers are... Always, after the person has presented a good argument against something, that uh, that I wrote about, so I have much more respect for people who are willing to put up a good argument that disagrees, and you know, without getting into uh, childish attacks, but you know, a good argument about uh, why they believe something, and that's important. Looking at the argument again is not just looking for stuff that supports your argument.
3: That's very, very well said, well said Tim, and that's, that's a good way, that's to, way put to put, put it. it. Uh, uh, with, with that, that. So, so with that, that said, said I, think I think we are, are going to start, start winding, winding down, down here. here. Unfortunately, Unfortunately we, uh, I, have I have to go, go protect the great citizens and town of Tana, 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 Wanda Tana Wanda this evening and uh, work tonight so, so we're going to start, going to wind start winding this down, down. I think well, it was think a great, great discussion, discussion guys and I really appreciate, I appreciate t- taking the time, time out for, for uh, recording, recording with us this, 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 this evening uh, Scott, Scott where can we find, we find you
2: you. Um, you can find me on twitter at medicsbk or at my blog uh, 2010ems.blogspot.com or on email at medicsbk at Excellent. Thank,
3: Excellent. You so thank you so much, much Scott for joining us, joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. it's my first time in the garage and uh I it was great.
3: it was great. Uh, uh Mr Tim, Mr. Tim Noonan, Noonan, where can we find you?
1: Uh RogueMedic dot com. I've shortened it, got rid of the blog spot in there, and that's at EMSBlogs dot com, along with uh for now just too old to work, too young to retire. But uh we're gonna have some others uh moved over shortly. And Paramedicine one oh one dot blogspot.com and occasionally on research blogs uh, research blogging actually and uh, wherever else I just happen to wander into
3: thank you so much Tim Tim for for joining joining us us. and And finally finally, last but not not least Mr. Mr. Justin Justin Shore
4: ah yes thank you for having me on the show
3: where can we find you? you
4: Oh uh oh, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, 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 of yeah. course. Where am I? Uh The Happy Medic. Uh on Twitter, on Facebook, happymedic.com. dot com. Uh you can send me a message you like me. You don't, let me know. The happy medic at gmail dot com. Uh you can also new feature at the blog I want to plug, uh on the website there, some of the, the new articles are going to have a uh clickable PDF icon where you can actually get the article easier to print out. I know uh medic spk mentioned printing out some articles and leaving them around well you inspired me to actually make it readable and interesting for people so you can you can find that uh there at happymedic.com.
3: excellent thank you so great so. idea and i'm kyle I'm david, bates. david bates you can find, you can find me, me at image at medic on twitter. on twitter uh you can find me at my website I'm at kyledavidbates.com. Kyle kyle you, you can also come over to, over to the first few moments.com moments uh, a new, new bi-weekly, bi-weekly podcast talking about, about, about more responding to motor vehicle crashes we just recorded tonight uh, on, that. Uh, on that so, so i know what, what Mr. Mr. Uh, Montero Mr. always asks is if you, you want, want to go ahead and interact with EMS, with EMS garage, garage you can contact, contact us at emsgarage EMS at gmail.com or, or something he's really been really trying, trying to do is, to do is, to is get comments, comments from you and folks, folks and you want, you want to put those at the end of the podcast you can call 303-720-6001 once again 303-720-6001 and call and let us know your thoughts what you thought about the the podcast and who knows you may end up on a Special, Special edition, edition of EMS Garage. EMS Garage. Uh, uh, just want to thank everybody. This was the, the number ninety nine podcast for EMS, EMS Garage. So the next one's coming so up. The big one hundred.
4: Is is Montero actually going uh, to be here? I
3: hope, I hope so. so. You know, what? you know, yeah, we have to have a surprise, surprise party. Snicker, him. snicker, snicker. On that, yeah, uh, yeah, he, yeah, deserves he deserves it. Recently, recently doesn't he? And anyways, and oh, he's he's over at the international round table. He's doing good things over there with community paramedicine. You know, a project dear to his heart.
4: I wish I could have attended. It's right up my alley.
3: That yeah, would have been great. I think most of us, and again, I think that's you know, as Tim said, at the Church of the Blogosphere, most of the folks you know belong to that uh, would probably like to be there. So with that said, um, for for Justin, Tim, and, Tim and Scott, and they Bates, and thank you for joining us on